This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 415. And the quote of the day is, if we cannot now end our differences, at least we can help make the world safe for diversity. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's happening? This is Nick. This is Drummer's Resource. You are tuned in, and we're ready to rock. And if you are new to this podcast, how you doing? Thanks for being here. Episode 415. This is where we're at, and uh, they're all free. So if you want to check them out, uh, you can find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that fun stuff, or go to drummersresource.com. Here's a thing that you may not know. If you go to Drummer's Resource, on the top right-hand side of the website, there's a little magnifying glass, and you can search for any one of these episodes. So if you're looking for a particular person and you don't know if they've been on the podcast or not, rather than sifting through page by page on the website or sifting through it on iTunes, you can just go to the Drummer's Resource site, use the magnifying glass to search whoever you're looking for. I've probably had them on the podcast. And then all the podcasts are numbered. So then when you see that it's episode 375, you can just go into iTunes, scroll down to 375. Boom, you got it. That's why I keep them numbered because I know a lot of podcasts aren't numbered. And to me, I think that's hard to find them. So anyway, yeah, use the search function on Drummer's Resource if you're looking for someone in particular. So now that that's out of the way, Let's get into this conversation. This is with Terry Lynn Carrington, and if you, I'm sure that you know who Terry is, but if you do not know who she is, I'm going to give you just a little bit of information on Terry. And this is right from her wiki page, but this this is one sentence, two sentences, and it just summarizes a little tiny bit of the things that she's done. She's a jazz drummer, composer, singer, and record producer, and entrepreneur. She's played with, get this, Dizzy Gillespie, Stan Getz, Clark Terry, Herbie Hancock, Wayne Shorter, Joe Sample, Al Jarreau, and the Yellow Jackets, and a long list of others. She toured with every one of Hancock's music configurations from electric to acoustic between 1997 and 2007. That's a 10-year stretch, folks. And not only that, she was a drummer for Arsenio Hall. She was on another show called Vibe. She's won three Grammy Awards. She got a scholarship to Berklee Music when she was 11 years old. And I could go on for about an hour about all the things that she's accomplished, but uh, rest assured, she's the real deal. If you don't know who she is already, which I'm sure you do. So, we get into a great conversation here. We talk about her coming up at, at a young age, getting the scholarship, how she was balancing playing gigs and going to school and the influence that her family had on her with, with music. And then we get into some deeper topics about gender equality, just about equality in general. We talk about how the country is shaping up at this time. It's a really great conversation and I am so happy that I got her to be a part of the podcast. So without further ado, let's get into it with Terry Lynn Carrington. Terry, how are you this morning? Thanks so much for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'm glad that we. I'm glad that we finally got it lined up. It, you know, I, I say this a lot when I start these episodes, but it seems like, you know, there's sort of two ways that these that these conversations get lined up, and it's either it takes two years or it takes like two days. 
and that's and there's like nothing in between it's either right. like i'll email somebody and like we'll go back and forth for a long time or i'll email them and they say let's do it tomorrow and i'm like okay cool so but uh but i'm definitely glad that we that we got this hooked up for sure yeah i'm sorry too for all of the uh scheduling issues <laughs> no i think we're i think we're i'll take i'll take part in that too or i'll take blame for that too okay. i think we were both moving it around back and forth but we made it happen here we are and and we're talking now so thanks for being here yes so it's hard to it's hard to sort of encapsulate all the things that you've done over over your entire career um but i i want to build a little bit of backstory and context for the audience of of where you started. I know that you, you grew up in, um, in Massachusetts and you, your family, you grew up in a family of musicians, right? Yes. My father plays uh, saxophone and he also, um, played drums. So he was able to show me a few things, but my grandfather, um, he was a drummer as well, uh, locally in the Boston area and played when people came through town so he could play with, you know, Sammy Davis Jr. or Fats Waller or Duke Ellington or, you know, various people uh, when they needed a pickup band. But he passed away about six months before I was born. Oh, wow. But it's in my, you know, in my genes, <laughs> so yeah, to say. Yeah, for sure. Well, what, what was it about, what was it about music that made you want to play? Was it because you, you saw you know, like you knew that your your dad was playing and, and you sort of wanted to be like your dad or was it was it something that you just naturally gravitated to? Uh, I think it, I was exposed to it, you know, at a young mm -hmm. age and I feel that, um, you know, hopefully more and more, uh, you know, kids are exposed to all the arts younger and younger and, uh, you know, have opportunities to get into it at an early age. Mm -hmm. I think... Uh, you know, exposure and lessons and, you know, a little bit of prodding sometimes really gets uh, that interest going early. Right. How old, how old were you when you started playing? Well, at five, I started trying to play the saxophone. And then uh, when I lost my first set of teeth, I uh, couldn't do that anymore and started playing <laughs> the drums around seven. So, well, that's a saxophone's a hard instrument to play for your first instrument, I would I would imagine, right? Yeah, I I don't really remember at five, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It was so long ago, but uh, yes, it's it's not the easiest. <laughs> so you start playing drums at five. This is the part that that's amazing that I read that when you were eleven, you got a scholarship for Berkeley. Right. So yep, how I sat, sat in uh, I sat in the president and his wife heard me, the founders of the college, and uh, sat in with Oscar Peterson, and. Um, how do you get that good in five years or in seven years? Oh, well, I hadn't been playing. Uh, well, I see what you're saying. Uh, at eleven, well, I didn't start playing till drums. So I was seven. So uh, right. So five years. Four four years. <laughs> four years actually, but yeah. um, I don't know. You know, it was just uh, natural for me somehow. It was just. It was definitely a natural gift there, and it just had to be developed. And I think really what's happening back then, you know, people are hearing potential. You know what I mean? I did start mm -hmm. playing some professional gigs then. I got my union card uh, around then too, either 10 or 11. But, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say other than it's, uh, it just my blows, grandfather it, was spirit it, was probably in me. In you, right. Well, I th one of the things that you said that, that I – 
that I definitely agree with is that when people when people hear potential, they will foster it. They will they will help you know they'll help guide it. They'll make different decisions. I had I remember I had a I had a student that was really young. And his parents just, I think everyone thinks that like their parent or their kid is like the greatest in the world. Right. But, but when other people tell them, and I told, I told uh, my students' parents, I said, listen, this kid is really good. And he's, you know, six or seven. Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. like, this kid can be something if, if you continue to allow him to do this and sort of like, I don't want to say push him, but as long as you, you know, continue to nurture this. And now he's like 18, plays in a couple bands, touring, you know, the whole nine. And I don't think that'd be possible. I mean, they like converted the basement into like a little recording or not a recording studio, but like a practice room with his brother and all that kind of stuff. And I I think that if you don't have some of that, that nurturing at that young age, like it could be, it could be stifled, which is, which is a shame, you know? No, absolutely. And I mean, it takes everybody, you know, it takes a village, you know, as that saying goes, but Mm -hmm. it takes, you know, people like yourself to say that sometimes to parents to let them know that they really need to, you know, really foster this talent. And um, luckily I had that right, you know, in my house with my parents. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, sometimes certain, you know, situations where parents just don't know. So we all need to, you know, do better at mentoring in in general. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you're 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old and you're playing professionally, how are you how are you juggling like going to school, playing gigs, staying up late, all that kind of stuff? Was it was it a challenge for you or were you like I don't even want to go to school, I just want to play drums all day or how did that work for you? No, no, I I enjoyed school. Uh I was a good student and enjoyed it. So it wasn't a challenge. I would just take naps if I had to go play, but it wasn't like it was every weekend or anything. So uh, it was. It worked out. It wasn't a big deal, you know. I just if I had to go to school the next day, I would just take a nap. You know, my parents would make me take a nap, and it would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love how you make it seem so easy. I'm like, I'm thinking about me at that age. I'm like, I couldn't even like, you know, I had a hard time remembering, you know, my baseball glove before practice. And you're like. Oh, I'm gonna go play some gigs and uh, and go to school too. So I don't know. I think it's Im- I think it's impressive for sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, what kind of what kind of stuff were you listening to then? What what were you what were you coming up on? And was was it a ro- wide variety of stuff? Were you listening to the stuff that your parents were listening to? Because I'm I'm guessing, and I could be going on out on a limb here. You weren't listening to the stuff that your friends were listening to for the most part, or you were listening to what they were listening to and other stuff. Right. I think that's really, uh, that's it. That's, that's right the key. There. Yeah, I listened to all the things, you know, my friends were listening to, um, like Earth, Wind & Fire and Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder and, you know, just various bands, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but also uh, the jazz stuff. So they weren't listening to the jazz. <laughs> right. Right. I figured that. So was that was that the influence of of your father, or were you just naturally f- kind of finding that stuff? Oh out yeah, and going. I mean, that's it? what I'm saying. If it's in the house, if that's what's being played. You know, you have the opportunity to like it or not like it. Right. So I, obviously, I liked it. Um, 
you know, you, nobody's forcing you to like something, you know, even if you, yeah. I mean, some people, some people listen to it growing up because of their parents, but just didn't gravitate, you know, to it. And they thought maybe, you know, that's their parents' music, but that's old mm-hmm. music. But for whatever reason, yeah, I gravitated, you know, to it. And, uh, as you know, I liked it the same, you know, I, I, I couldn't say that I liked it more than, uh, contemporary music that was played on the radio i like that too mm-hmm. uh, to me it was like two kinds of music good and bad there's always like the the one side or the other like you said I, I find it interesting that if you're listening to something in the house or or if there's something that your parents are doing or whatever it is you look at it two ways you either say that's their thing and i don't I don't want i don't even want to be involved in that because it's their thing or you're like oh this thing is actually kind of cool that that my parents listen to this kind of music or something like th- like there was always music playing in my house right and it was always right. like Steely Dan and all this other stuff and I could be like yeah oh, that's my parents' music or I was like oh this stuff's actually kind of cool like maybe my parents are a little hipper than I thought they were or something right <laughs> exactly. but like as kids you're like no if my you know sometimes sometimes you get that where it's like if it's my parents' thing then. It's it's weird. They even say that like a lot of kids don't have Facebook accounts now because their parents are on Facebook, and they're like, well, that's, <laughs> what, "That's what my parents do. I don't want to. I don't want to do that thing." So they they find something else, you know. All right. Yeah. Now that's interesting. I didn't know that about Facebook, but yeah, I guess it's it it may be almost generational. Now. Plus, they don't want oh. people to. Uh, they don't want their parents, you know, looking at. <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you, know, you, just have, you have choices. I think it's all about choices and giving, you know, kids choices. And that's, you know, what you do as a teacher as well, mm-hmm. which is, you know, what a big part of my time is doing. The teaching side of things. Right. So when you say, when you're talking about making choices, you're saying you're, you're sort of helping people make those choices or you're, you're facilitating well, yeah. those choices? Not you know facilitate a choice, but you definitely can expose people to things that uh, gives them the opportunity to either like it or not, or, or further their exploration of something or not. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that's a big part of uh, teaching, actually. I know that one of the things that you're involved in with the hit like a girl contest and the, the women who are, who are part of that definitely look up to you for that. How, how do you see the industry changing now for women in drumming? I've, I've even noticed for myself in the last, in the last five years with drummers resource, statistically, like there's more women who are engaging with the page who like the Instagram page. It used to be about 97% men and now it's 90% men. 10% 10% women, not a huge shift, but it's a, it's a shift in the positive direction. How do you see it right. differently? How do you see it different? Uh, do you see more and more women getting into drumming uh, as far as you're concerned? And, and, and how was it for you coming up as a, as a woman in a predominantly male dominated field? Well, honestly, uh, yeah, there weren't very many women playing uh, when I came up. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't have very many female peers. Um, and my teachers and mentors were all guys. And that was okay. It worked for me. But that doesn't work for everybody. Right. So here's where, you know, things have to really change. Because if there's, you know, 
uh, 50% of women in the world and 10% playing drums, uh, you know, making a career at it or, you know, professionally, that's a problem, you know, yeah. with, with, and it's not just the drums. It's with, you know, music in general, um, especially, you know, I, you know, obviously I'm, you know, more involved with jazz and, um, I just feel like it's, it's, this has got to change, you know, this has really got to shift because, um, the, the gender equity and, uh, inclusion really has to be looked upon or there's, or we're missing something artistically, Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's a different set of experiences, a different outlook, a different aesthetic that comes to the table, you know, with women. And it's an important one. It's part of society. It's part of community. And mm-hmm. it needs to be reflected in all art. And so I'm really, you know, at this point, stage in my life, quite tired of, uh, you know, the patriarchal system uh, mm-hmm. that we've had. So... I'm doing all that I can to uh, try to help push things along, you know, change, sure. change this. And I've because had, I, you know, I've, the big the, for me, the big thing is I had the kind of personality that could function well uh, in a male-dominated field, but everybody doesn't, you know, and nor right. should they have to navigate through a biased system. Mm-hmm. You know how I mean? so do you say how how so in terms of in terms of your personality? What do you mean by that? Well, I mean it's my cert- my set of circumstances alone, uh, just growing up with this music and having support from you know the very beginning from childhood. You know, having this that kind of support made me grow up with ownership in the music. You know what I mean? It, it made mm-hmm. me feel like this is my music and you can't tell me anything else. You know, you can't tell me otherwise. So that's the kind of ownership you're not, you know, and even within that, it's like you're being like, I I was like an exception or you're invited to the party. You know what I mean? My point is like, this is my music as much as it is yours. So right, you're like I'm hosting the party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> right. But I didn't realize I didn't have it in those terms. But that's how I felt. You know, like without understanding that that's what it was. So that's why I was completely comfortable. You know, in this environment because it didn't matter to me. You right. Know, who was playing it or that I was the odd person because it was, you know, like I said, my music, my party. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. That's the kind of ownership and feeling that I would like for other, uh, you know, young women to have. And often, you know, they f- I feel when I, you know, through teaching, you know, I, I feel like they're not feeling like it's their party. You know what I mean? They're feeling, you know, like, well, can I come in? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because so I've never, you know, I've never... I've never, uh, I've never had that. Obviously, you know, I've never, I've never had the feeling like, you know, there's enough, there's enough barriers and and there's enough obstacles to get over to try to do this as a, even if you don't do it per, as a career, but to just to do it professionally, there's enough barriers as it is. Like adding one more barrier of thinking, well, okay, I'm a woman, I have to get over that, I have to get over that hump, and are, are they going to accept me? Or like, I didn't have to deal with that. 
you know right i'm like a a white male going into a drumming into a drumming career you know like there's a couple obstacles let's just be honest there's a couple obstacles that are, that are not there for me um, right so i mean that's just you know the kind of work and that's where we are in society right now anyway you know mm-hmm. what i mean and so music jazz any kind of music it needs to reflect that you know uh, it can't be the the late person you know the not person but the late you know it can't be late coming to uh important issues like gender equity right right you know how do you I mean? think that we how do you think that we continue to move ahead or like or or push the progress forward because i think and i may be i may be uh foolishly blind to this but and you would know way better than i i feel like it's trending in the right direction i feel like there are more women are getting involved uh but that could be me just being you know like i said it could just from the outside just think oh yeah there's more women getting in drumming but it's nowhere near where it needs to be so how do you think that we how do you think that we continue to get more women involved in this in this culture in this instrument? Well, I think people are doing it. You know, uh, you have hit like a girl. You have role models. Uh, you have people that are saying, "Wow, I need to have balance on my stage." So you know, let me do some work here, and you know, find some you know talented women so that it's, it's so that I'm, you know, not contributing to this thing. You know what I mean? There are people mm-hmm. that are conscious that are uh, trying to do different, but I, everybody has to have that kind of awareness. And unfortunately, I mean, it's like hard to believe that it's something that you have to actually tell people, you know what I mean? Or that you have to, you know, that we have to keep making, uh, you know, this issue, uh, prominent enough that people it hits them over the head right and i'm guilty i'm guilty of the same thing i didn't think about that so much you know until i finally did this record called the mosaic project which featured all of these amazing women because i was finally at a place but i was past 40 you know but mm-hmm. i was finally at a place you know that i felt like uh, wow this is uh, something that you know i should really pay attention to and bring attention to Mm-hmm. And how many I, you know, great women there are? Go ahead. What were you saying? No, I was just saying how many great women there actually are playing, playing music. You know, <laughs> yeah, celebrate for sure. Yeah, of course. And the for me on the other side, like I've done, you know, four hundred some of these episodes, and I've gotten emails or you know people asking me like, why do you not have women on the podcast? Why do you not have more women on the podcast? And I'm like, well, there's a couple things, and one, it's you know, it's easier for me to book men because there's a lot more of them like it's just it's a numbers game for me right and i'm like i'm emailing all these people and two i'm like all the people all the women who i wanted to have on i've emailed them numerous times and some have gotten back to me some have not gotten back to me whatever the case may be um but then i you know i i was like i have to i got to figure out a way that i can get more women involved in this podcast and so i reached out to uh dave because i was already a sponsor on hit like a girl and i've reached out to tom tom and all that kind of stuff and the i think that there are there are so many women drummers out there that are doing great things and but like but the numbers in comparison there's so many more male drummers out there so even if i get all of them 
you know, even if I get 15 or 20 of like the greatest women drummers in the world, like there's still, you know, 420 episodes that I have. So it's still going to be a small percentage. Right, uh, exactly. And I'm like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make that, I, I want to make that shift. I want it to be more inclusive, but, but the number, like just the numbers just aren't there yet, which is, which is a shame to me. And it doesn't, it doesn't make much sense, but I, but I understand it. Like I talked to uh, Sarah Thoyer about it and she was saying that, you know, there's, there's a lot of women who are afraid to play drums because of how they'll be judged. And they, and because they think drums are like a manly instrument and they'll look at them and say, why are you playing drums? Like, why don't you sing or something like that? And, yeah. and she said she's shown up to gigs and they'll kind of like give her this look like, Oh, you're playing. And then she's like, yeah. And then I play my ass off and they're like, Oh, Oh, you're playing. And she's like, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like that, which I agree. Um, right. Have you well, felt have yeah. you felt any of that? Sure. You know, I don't pay attention to it. Right. <laughs> you know what Which I mean? I love. It's like, yeah, it's just you just keep you just keep moving past all that. You know, I, I used to just look at it like these are other people's problems mm -hmm. and not mine. But even at the end of the day, you choose who you want to spend the energy on educating. You know what I mean? Like sometimes, right. yeah, you have to talk about things, even if it's, you know, as I said, not your problem. You right. know, that's what we do, you know, to make our society and community better. You know, we educate each other. Mm -hmm. But then sometimes, you know, you're just dealing with people that are just stuck, uh, yeah. stuck someplace else. And then often I choose not to try to bring them along because I, I'd rather spend my energy someplace else. You know? Oh, for sure. But uh, one thing I will say is, with what you said, is that, um, yeah, it's up to you to do your part, too. And so, yeah, doing the interviews, even though it's harder to find, you know, mm -hmm. maybe your interview, somebody will hear it, and it will inspire them somehow to play. And, you know, it's, it takes work. Yep. On, you know what I mean? To, to find more female players for you to interview, or it takes, you know, work to find more players to hire. But that's the kind of work we have to do. Right. And sometimes some of it does have to be on potential. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Some of it has to be on, wow, this this person is really, you know, going someplace. I, I, I see that. I, I see the talent. And they may not be there 100% yet, but let me, you know, help whatever way I can. Because, right. you know, that's our job mm -hmm. <laughs> as citizens. Yeah. And I'll admit, you know, like that's part of that is an excuse. For me that there's you know that there's more male drummers so that's not an I'll, excuse you know, there I'll, are there's no doubt no, but about i'll it. own it's that in terms of like in terms of it being it's easier for me to book men of course yeah right <laughs> so i'll own yeah. that yeah that's an excuse uh but i I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm being more i'm trying to be more more conscious of it because i think from the outside, people are like, oh, he just doesn't want to have one. And I'm like, no, that's not, that is not the case at all. It's just, yeah, it's a, it's, it's easier. So I'm, uh, right. I'm pledging to, to do the work. So, yeah. And that's all, I mean, that's, that's actually what you just said. That should be a campaign right there. You know, I'm pledging to do the work and that's all, yeah. you know, that we all can do. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's not about it be, you know, necessarily being an excuse. It's about 
you know, what can I do to help move things forward? And um, whether I did it yesterday or not, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's, right. it's, it's about really today and moving forward. The one thing I will say, and not, we don't have to belabor this point and, and, you know, keep talking about it, but the one thing I don't like is I don't like the name of that contest being called Hit Like a Girl. Because yeah, I, I don't particularly either. <laughs> I, yeah. Because I just think it like, it, I think it like drives a wedge between the men and women drummers. Like, I think there should be, sure, if there's like a, a women in, you know, a women in drumming initiative or something like that, that's great. But like, I don't know. I just I don't like the name personally. I don't know how you. Fe- I mean, I'm, you may have your a different you know feeling about it, but it just doesn't feel. No, I, it doesn't I, feel I inclusive. Well, I'm at a place where I don't like anything that's binary. And right. when you start talking about male, female, you know, women, men, it gets binary. We're living in a society that's not. It's becoming less and less binary. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, we, we you know. That's why, you know, people talk about gender equity, you know, more, you know, more and more. And it, that includes, you know, all aspects of uh, gender identification. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you're moving forward, you have to be uh, really aware of what's really happening in society so that you don't, you know, take a step forward and a step back at the same time, you know what I mean? Right, right. And, uh, you know, all of that. So, as you said, it, whenever you have something that says, you know, I think, you know, women this, or I mean, it does, you know, kind of create a wedge. Um, like, like, you know, you said, like, if you have an initiative, a women's initiative, that is what it is. But however you title it, you know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily have to create create a wedge and i mean i understand their point with naming it that right uh, because it, it was i think trying to do a spin on because see that would have been a little a negative connotation right in sports play like a girl right. play like a right. girl i mean that's a negative connotation so it's flipping that but maybe i'm just old <laughs> you know too <laughs> because the last thing i would want anybody to say to me was, when i was growing up was that i played like a girl Right. You know what I mean? So I basically did all of these things to make sure that, uh, you know, I was playing more like a man. And um, now I'm actually embracing that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The feminine aesthetic, you know, in, uh, in music in general and thinking, wow, all we've really heard. If you listen to the radio, you listen to your records, even down to the songwriters, it's been mostly men. You know, other than the vocalists. I'm not talking about the vocalists. I'm talking about the players. Yeah. And um, and the writers and the engineers. And, I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like a whole aesthetic that comes from one side of uh, one part of society. So, uh, you know, I just, I just, you know, feel like this is the kind of change that we really need to all figure out as we go. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's important to have these conversations because... You know, we'll all learn something when we have a conversation, if we're open. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's even, I mean, and you know this, like, it's not just the music business. It's the entire entertainment business. And, like, I work with with my other company. We work with, like, a lot of management companies and record labels. And it's like, you look at all their leadership team, and it's like, all white men. That's all it is. That's it. It's like, and the women are like, 
the assistants or, you know, or like they're, they're not, you know, they're not in, in the upper management and things like that. And I was like, the other day I was talking to my wife and I was like, man, I'm, I'm doing this research for this project that we're working on. And I'm like, every website that I go to, it's just like, it's just like 70 year old white dudes. I'm like, there's like mm-hmm. zero diversity, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's through the entire, it's through the entire entertainment industry, which I think is, Again, I think it's getting better, but I don't, yeah, we're nowhere near where we need to be. So the new Sonar SQ1s, yeah, they're sick. They're made out of birch. And the reason why they made them out of birch is because birch has a balanced low, mid, and high range. So they sound great in the studio and they also sound great live. They also have a sound sustainer system. It's a new mounting hardware. And it's rubber on metal. And what that does is it completely separates the mounting hardware from the wooden shell. So you're going to get an amazing tonal quality out of these drums. They actually got that from the automotive industry. That's where they learned about this technology. Not only that, I'm a car lover, so this is super cool to me. The colors and style of legendary car classics were the inspiration for the color selection of the SQ1. So there are four matte lacquer finishes that you can choose from. So not only do they sound good, they also look good too. Check them out by going to sonar.com. You're listening to this episode 100% free, thanks to the good folks at Evans. And they want to remind you that you may sit at the back of the stage, but the band revolves around you. Why? Because you set the tempo, the intensity, and most importantly, the tone. And the easiest way to set the tone is to play Evans drumheads with Level 360 technology. They're trusted by industry-leading drummers like Chris Coleman and Anika Niles. Evans drumheads offer the most consistent fit for every drum for max tunability all around. Thanks to Level 360 technology, Evans drumheads fit perfectly across the shell and allow for increased tension to help you find your sweet spot. Plus, they take you well beyond the normal tuning ranges for higher highs and lower lows. So now the sound that you want will always be the sound that you get. For more info, check them out. Go to evansdrumheads.com. And I ask that you please support the companies that support this podcast. Now let's get back into it with Terry Lynn Carrington. One of the interesting things that you had mentioned about, you know, about inclusion. And I remember uh, my, my mom worked for a very big company and they had this diversity group or diversity organization or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was like the Asian American club and like the Jewish American club and this. And I was like, I left there and I was like, that doesn't really feel like, I mean, it felt like diversity, but it was basically like, we're all different. And I was like, that, that doesn't really make much sense to me. I was like, it seems like it's, it's separating everyone, not bringing everyone together. It was like, you couldn't right. join, you couldn't join like the Jewish American group unless you were Jewish or you couldn't join the Asian American thing unless you were Asian. I was like, that, I don't know. To me, I was like, that seemed less inclusive and more exclusive. I don't know. That's just, yeah. that, that was sort no, of my I mean, take on it. I mean, eventually we're all about to be, you know, just one world. You know what I mean? I think that it's important to uh, move close, you know, move. Cause there'll always be stuff that divide us, but it right. will divide us. But more and more, I mean, you know, you know, people are getting more and more uh, all mixed up, you know, racially, uh, religion, all of those things mm-hmm. are kind of 
becoming, you know, melting into one thing. I mean, that's, you know, what the world is starting to look like. And in time, you know, it's just going to be like that. So, I mean, why not just, you know, deal with it now? This, I mean, obviously this is not, (laughs) this is not drum related, but we're going to get into it anyway. Um, I always wonder when, when you become an American, like, so I'm from, I'm not from Italy, but my family's from Italy, you know, all my family lives there, like my cousins and aunts, all that stuff. Right. But I was born here. I was born in the United States. My parents were born in the United States. So mm-hmm. how many generations do you, like, if you go, if I go to Italy and I'm talking to my cousin, he's like, I'm Italian. Right. But if I go mm-hmm. over there, they're like, you're not Italian, you're American. But, right. when, <laughs> but when I'm an American, I'm like, oh, I'm Italian. Like when at what I wonder at what point we just say I'm American. Like I was born here, and I sure I have Italian heritage, but I was I was born in the United States. I'm I'm American, so it's like what are you? It's like I'm American because Italian. Like you know, tracing back, tracing back uh, my roots. You know, if we go back 600 years, I'm sure all my relatives weren't born in Italy, but they're not mm. saying oh I'm. You know, I'm Spanish or I'm this or I'm that. They're just like I'm Italian. That's all I am. Right. And I wonder yeah. when when we get there in the United States where we're like, I'm just I'm American. I was born here. Right. You know, like that's what it is. That's the ethnicity that I am. And I maybe we're maybe we're still too young of a country for that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think we would have to also be able to accept that here for everybody else to be able to say it and claim it. You know what I mean? Everybody would have yeah. to look at us all that way. And yep. we wouldn't be talking about walls and, you know, it wouldn't, you know, be as much divide. You know, people would just look at each other as that. But this country is, is still very separated. So yes, it is. I think, yeah, I think that that's why people probably, you know, you know, claim their cultural roots you know the cultural background you know with their american citizenship <laughs> yeah it's crazy and then there everyone talks about immigrants i'm like hey we're all immigrants so you weren't born you know none of your ancestors were probably born here unless you're native american so i don't want to hear from anybody uh, yeah <laughs> you right, know, exactly I'm like, yeah. I'm like come on dude exactly yeah we, you're not from here uh, so I want to I want to switch things up a little bit. I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the Arsenio Hall show because uh, I grew up watching that show. It was like one of my favorite shows ever, and I was definitely too young to be watching that show. Uh, but, <laughs> but I always watched it. I like big fan. I, like between it was like I, I was just a big Arsenio Hall fan. Always was like I loved him in in Coming to America. Like I loved the show, all that stuff. Talk to me about that show because I feel like. And maybe I'm just maybe I'm just imagining this, but I feel like that show was a groundbreaking show on many on many levels. Yeah, I mean everybody tends to feel that way. Um you know, when you're in the middle of something, you don't realize it as much. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask, you know. So, uh, it's funny, I was just asked this at a workshop clinic Friday in Chicago, same question. Oh. And um yeah, I mean it was an exciting time, you know, it was the first time it was a black host on late night TV. And, uh, it was, you know, it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, the band, you know, the music was a little different. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I was just, you know, on the, uh, you know, like I was just there doing it. So I didn't really think, think about the impact, you know, and, and it's right. amazing how much it comes back to me and how impactful it was to so many people. Um, but yeah, it was a great experience for me. Uh, and then I moved on and did also, uh, 10 years later, the Vibe TV show with, um, Quincy Jones produced mm-hmm. uh, with uh, Greg Fillingaines, and that was an amazing experience as well. I mean, on that show, I played with even more people, um, like James Brown and Rick James, and wow, you know Charlie Wilson and Aaliyah, and you know mm-hmm. people that just aren't here anymore. Right, right, right. And um, yeah, so it was all you know. These are all amazing experiences that uh, yeah, that lead to wherever it leads you, and. Um, you know, I, I, I can't rest in, uh, my own success. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I have to really think about, you know, what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, you know, with, with uh, the next generation, next generations right. to try sure. to, uh, you know, contribute more than just my own playing or my own records, or, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. So I don't dwell on the past, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'm trying that makes to sense. move forward and, um, you know, I take lessons from Herbie Hancock and Wayne Shorter and Jack DeJanet, you know, people that I work closely with that have mentored me and they're always moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. You appreciate your successes, but you're like, okay, you're, you're only as good as, as your last at bat, so to speak. So it's like, okay, let's moving forward. You know, it's not where you were, it's where you're at. Yeah, exactly. I, I know plenty of people who like achieved stuff back in, you know, 93 and they're still talking about it. I'm like, okay, well that was, you know, that was 25 years ago. So <laughs> maybe right. you should, let's talk about what you've done, what you've done. Right. Uh, what, what have you done, done for me lately? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What do you like better? Or I shouldn't say, what do you like better? What are, what are some of the differences that, that you don't, that maybe you didn't expect that you noticed like playing on a television show versus playing live? Do you like playing on TV? Does it feel more sterile to you? Do you? Mm, I mean, I liked it. It didn't feel sterile at all. I mean, it's just very short burst of music, you know, burst of songs. Oh, play for a couple minutes here, play for a couple minutes there. So it wasn't about like, building something you know what i mean it wasn't about mm-hmm. uh you know like starting something and taking a journey and telling a story right so once you accept that then you know it's fun and it's still you know it can inspire people mm-hmm. and uh it teaches you also how to get to the point fast yeah mm-hmm because yeah. you don't have a lot of time, so you have to you yeah. know, come in, come in blazing and out in and out. <laughs> yeah, I I had uh, so my buddy Eric, who runs uh, um, late night with Seth Meyers, we were having a conversation because he has all these drummers come in, right? Have you done? Yeah, have you- he, yeah, he's called. We have. It's, I'm having the same schedule problem with him for that that I'm having with that I had with you. Ah. <laughs> uh. Okay. So he's, yeah, we've been, you know, we even came down to a date that I had to then bail on. Uh, um, yeah, so, but we're going to keep, I mean, he's good and we text each other, so it's going to happen. Cool. But so cool. I was I was just with him a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about how, you know, there's a lot of people who 
you know, I played with all kinds of people and, and have done all this stuff. And then they come in to television and they'll do a couple of things. He's like, no, 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 that you can't do that. Or it doesn't work that way. Or, or, and he's like, it's not that they, it's not that they can't do it. It's just, it's a totally different thing. And mm-hmm. if they have, if they don't have a lot of experience with it or they've never done it before, he's like, some guys just come in and nail it. Right. And then once in a while, someone comes in and they're kind of like a deer in headlights and they can't grasp the concept of like, you know, ending the tune, like where they're ending it or, or, you know, and he said, it's like, it's a skill set. It's a totally, it's a totally different skill set that, that some people, uh, some people don't realize that they don't have it until they get in there. <laughs> Right, exactly. No, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely a skill set, even down to what looks good or how you, you know, carry yourself. You know what I mean? All those Mm -hmm. things. There's an energy to it that you have to be aware of. Right, right. You can't just sit in the back with, like, the dim lights and just kind of keep your head down and play. (laughs) You gotta be smiling. The camera's on you. You know, you you don't you never you never know when the camera's gonna be on you. You gotta be smiling and and uh, yeah, you're on television. It's a it's entertainment. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying all this like I like I played (laughs) on some television show or something. But a a good friend of mine plays on the Conan O'Brien show, and I've talked to Eric about it. I've talked to other people about it, and it's just like yeah, it's 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 just a totally you know it's a it's a different game. So. Um, yeah. so what, talk about some of the stuff that you're working on now. I know that you said that, you know, you like talking about the future and, and, and what's going on. What, what are some of the stuff, some of the things that you're working on now? Well, uh, lots of things. I, uh, am starting to MD, uh, various projects and, uh, different kinds of situations this past year. Uh, I did a lot of tributes to Jerry Allen, who was a bandmate with Esperanza Spalding and myself. We had a trio mm-hmm. called ACS, and she passed away. Uh, so we've been doing a lot of tributes uh, to her, various ones. And uh, that's been incredible because her music is, I mean, she was a genius and an unsung genius that um, the world needs to know more about. It's funny, you know, how life is because uh, she just won the downbeat critics poll for best pianist. And, um, you know, it didn't happen until after she passed. You're right. Um, but uh, also, um, you know, doing some work with uh, this, uh, Diane Reeves and Angelique Kijo and Liz Wright, a project called Sing the Truth that, that I'm musical director for. So we're gearing up to go to South Africa. Awesome. Uh, working on some Nat King Cole tributes uh, for next year. Um, and I have my own project that I'm still recording called Social Science. And that's a, a band project. And uh, two other people that I formed this with are Aaron Parks on piano and Matt Stevens on guitar. And then we've rounded it out with a few other musicians, uh, Debo Ray on vocals and Morgan Guerin, multi-instrumentalist and various DJs and rappers. And it's just, it's a commentary on where we are in society right now. Well, so what's the name of that project? Social Science. So that's the name of the band. Um, and yeah, I'm probably, I don't know, we're probably about 60% finished with the record. So. Nice. 
Um, yeah, and I teach, uh, you know, Berkeley and uh, doing a lot of gender equity uh, work there as well. And also in, uh, work with Daniela Perez in a Global Jazz Institute there. Um, yeah, this summer, actually, we have a something called Summer Jazz Workshop and uh, also a women's performance program. So it's kind of like an, an initiative like we talked about. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? I mean, I'm, I'm just, that's, there's still so many other things that I'm doing. You're busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I that's, a, that's a good thing, for sure. So what are what's the difference about, or or how do you approach it differently going in as an MD versus going in as a hired gun? Like, I, I think that that's a skill that that us drummers need to learn because you can sit around and sort of wait for the phone to ring or you can you can create your own thing and go out and be the music director, be the band leader, go out and hire the people. And maybe people are timid by that or don't know necessarily how to do it. I've always led all of my all the bands. Well, I shouldn't say all of them, but most of the bands that I was in. So... um how do you how do you approach it differently, and what advice do you have for someone who wants to step into that role? Um, well, I think drummers are natural leaders, so I've mm-hmm. always um, kind of started taking on extra responsibility, <laughs> and and I realized, yeah, I'm kind of help like I've helped MDs on their gigs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Making suggestions and you know just helpful. Uh, and I realized, oh man, I could be doing this too. So, um, you know, this, it starts with certain, you know, moments where somebody asks you to do something and you do it and then you realize, oh yeah, I can be the responsible party here. I remember the, actually the first big show, I mean, other than, you see, when you lead a band, you're basically, you know, the MD of your own band, so you know what it takes. Mm -hmm. Um, but the first big show that I MD'd was in London at the Barbican Theatre, uh, which was one of my favorite venues in London. And um, it was called Billy and Me. It was a tribute to uh, Billy Holiday, but from a spin of, uh, you know, a lot of contemporary musicians. And so Amy Winehouse was on it, Chrissy Hine, Michelle and Degio awesome. Cella, Nana Cherry, Dee Dee Bridgewater, um, who am I missing? There was a Man, bunch Edie of people. Bridgewater. I haven't heard that name in a while. Yeah, yeah, she's she's great. Actually, her and I are co-artistic directors for the Car Center in Detroit. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, which is a yeah performing arts uh, organization. They actually have several venues, but um, and it's uh, you know visual arts, dance, uh, music. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we work together quite a bit now. That's know? awesome. And we've always I, worked together. I played in a I played in a band for a while with uh with her old guitar player. So oh, yeah. and so he would always you know he would always tell me stories about her, and then you know I'd end up listening. So anyway, go ahead. Yeah no, yeah so just yeah just working. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. So, uh, last question: what What advice do you have for women who either are trying to get into this industry or are in this industry? What are some of the things that you're teaching uh, at Berkeley about 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 gender equality and uh, and also how to sort of navigate this 
as a woman in a right now in a male or in a male dominated field advice i mean you have to first of all have 100% of your heart you know in this thing because quite frankly you know so many people you know may have a more successful career doing something else i mean you know what i mean right. it's not the the most lucrative business unless you're hugely successful so mm-hmm. um i think you have to just really love it it can't be you know you can't be uh fair weather at all you know you have to <laughs> yeah right. you have to recognize you, you know if you how your own development is you know how strong your talent is your abilities are and if it's something where you can do the work and get you know to the end goal then that's great you know but not mm-hmm. to be illusioned you know by it all and right you know what i mean it's like you yeah, have yeah. to look at it uh um without bias you know like look at yourself and say do i really have what it takes Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the last thing you want to do is create a situation where you're bitter or angry or, you know what I mean? And then you have to also look at yourself, you know, like what what have I, you know, did, did I do myself, you know, justice? Did I do this justice? Did I bring everything I needed to the table? So you have to right. not blame others all the time and sometimes just keep keep at it. I mean, I want to think the cream rises to the top, but as I said, you know, we all need boosts. And I, I probably wouldn't have had the success. I, I know that I wouldn't have had the success that I have without boost from so many people. So, uh, yeah, and just you know, keep, yeah, keep, uh, keep the sense of wonder and excitement and um, mystery about it all. Like you know, I think we do this because we're searching, you know, for something, or we're trying to experience it certain kind of freedom that you experience in music, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so it's a journey and it's a quest. I think we have to k- keep that in mind if we're going to be, you know, true artists because uh, some people actually are trade musicians, you know what I mean? They can go to the gig and do the job and come home and read the newspaper, you know what I mean? Almost more like a business person or a banker <laughs> right uh and this that's okay too there's there's room for that there's room for everybody you know some people are going to you know be local musicians you know they they don't even have have it in them to travel and do these kind of grueling schedules mm-hmm. that that we do so it's okay to know that hey if i'm the person that you know works a day job and gets to play in the evenings locally hey that's cool or on the weekends or uh, you know, or if I'm in a wedding band, you know that's mm-hmm. that's cool. I'm bringing joy to people at a very important time of their life, and I'm right. having fun at the same time. I mean, you know, we have to look at uh, all the areas that we can, um, you know, do a service. So, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you said that because one of the main things that I talk about on the podcast all the time is. I'm trying to change the narrative of what it means to be a, a successful drummer. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that one, you do it as a full-time thing. Like it doesn't mean that you're either all in or all out. And I think that it's okay to have a day job. like you said, and play on the weekend and you can, st- I know plenty of people who play at a very high level 
but Mm -hmm. don't do it full time, you know? And, and I'm like, I think, I think that's okay. You know, like I think everyone's path is, is their own path. And, And I think a lot of times we think we don't, we don't consider ourselves successful or we don't consider ourselves accomplished if we have to work a day job. And it's like, it doesn't, that doesn't dictate or determine whether or not you're successful at it or not. I, that's right. just that's just my opinion, and I think that we get so hung up on that. Where it's like I talk to so many people, and they're like, "I, I just want to I want to play full time. I want it to be my career." And I'm like, "Why? That's cool <laughs> if you want to, but like, why? Why do you want to? Because right. like, do you really want to, or do you just like? I mean, I've said this before, and I got it from a guy named Austin Cleon, but he's like, everyone wants to be a writer, right?" but no one wants to actually do the writing. So it's like <laughs> pe- people want to be the people want to be the noun and not the verb. So people want right. to say they're an artist but they don't actually want to be do the work and do the verb of being the artist. So I think a lot of right. times we just hold this over our heads like oh I'm not playing full time and I'll be happy when I when I'm playing full time or whatever and it's like man I think you just got to do what works right for you and and the natural path that that you happen to go down because it's not for everyone and everyone's story is different. Like you said. Right. I like that. Everybody wants to be the noun and not the verb. <laughs> it's so true. true. It's because the work that it takes. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm up. I rarely sleep. You know? Right. Right. Just trying to do all the things that it takes to make this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's what makes you yeah. an artist. Yeah. And know. I think there's a distinction. I've never heard it said that way, the way that you said it is like an artist versus a tradesperson. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with, with that either. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, I it's agree. All, it's all a part of making sure that the world has music, uh, which is, you know, a very important uh, thing. 100%. Well, Terry, I want to, uh, one, congratulate you on all of the success that you've had in the past. I know you don't like looking backwards, but uh, I would like to at least acknowledge the the success that you've had and, and congratulate you on that. And also moving forward, I appreciate what you're doing with the gender equality stuff, with, with getting more women into drumming, and just overall the stuff that, that you're doing, the art that you're putting out there in the world, we need people like you putting this art out in the world. So I want to acknowledge you and appreciate what you're doing there. And thirdly, just thank you for taking the time to chat with me. I know it was hectic lining up our schedules, so I appreciate you sitting down and taking the time to talk to me today. Oh, my pleasure, Nick. Thanks for being persistent. (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing I am is persistent. (laughs) Well, really great talking to you. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. Terry, All right. I, will, uh, I will talk to you soon. Thanks again. Okay, take care. That was the amazing Terry Lynn Carrington. I hope you dug that. That was such a great conversation to have with her. I've been wanting to get her on the podcast for a long time as we talked about it uh, in the conversation. So glad that I finally made it happen or we finally made it happen, I should say. And do me a favor. If you haven't already, leave a rating or review or just shoot me an email. Hit me up on social media. Let me know how you're digging the podcast, what you're getting out of it, what you want to hear more from me, what you want to hear less from me, all of that fun stuff. And uh, other than that, I got nothing for you. So until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.